huge game for Michigan coming up on Saturday as the Wolverines head to Indianapolis for the third straight year to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes for a potential chance at winning a third straight Big Ten championship. We're going to talk about keys for Michigan to win the game. And then what if everything goes nuts? We got championship week starting tomorrow. What if everything goes crazy? Let's talk about that as well on this episode of Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Thursday. We are back and doing it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. First off, I want to thank everybody for your outpouring of support after segment three yesterday. Um, I, uh, I, I did not intend to get a lot of feedback on that, at least not positive feedback. And that wasn't my intent at all either. Um, but I, I do appreciate all of your well wishes. Uh, I saw everything on on three. I saw there was an appreciation thread on MGO blog. Did not click on that one due to my last experience, but... If you were in that thread and thanking me um, for the podcast, I do appreciate it. Uh, If you weren't, then I didn't see it, so whatever. But (laughs) nonetheless, I do appreciate everybody. Um, And uh, had had to start off with that. Michigan is playing against Iowa, as we all know. That is the benefit of beating Ohio State, is that you get to go and play the 10-2 Hawkeyes in what is going to likely be something of a slog. It was not a slog two years ago. Ended up being kind of a weird slog uh, last year. In Iowa City, turnover kind of started the downfall, right? Or it was a, what, if memory serves, what, it wasn't a turnover, it was a fumble recovered by Michigan, I think is how that went. Um, so it certainly is what Iowa wants the game to become, right? They don't have any offensive firepower. This is the type of game where uh, they are content in uh, getting maybe a first down or, or two and then punting to you and then pinning you back and then you not getting anything and then punting back to them and playing the field position game all day long, forcing you into mistakes because you're starting to get desperate. <clears throat> what I liked about Michigan, and I'm suddenly losing my voice, so apologies. But um, what I liked about Michigan in 2021 is that it was very aggressive at the outset. And then before everything kind of settled down and became that slog, they, it didn't really matter that much. They were up 14 to three, right? They were up 14 to three early. The second quarter was inconsequential for both teams, or at least inconsequential for Michigan. I believe Iowa got its field goal in the second quarter. And then it was... Um, it was absolutely uh, fun for Michigan fans from there on in. So to me, the biggest key for Michigan in this game is to start fast because generally, and this is kind of what happened in Iowa City last year as well, uh, although Iowa did make it a game for a minute, weirdly, the offense suddenly clicked for the first time uh, and it was like the only team against Jesse Minter in the regular season that really had any kind of success in the in the third quarter, in the second half in general, right? So uh, I think that the key for Michigan is to start fast because if you can go up two scores against Iowa, I mean, I don't know. It, it doesn't necessarily change. It's just not, it's not like they suddenly 
Ryan Day takes over at the uh, offensive coordinator position. He just embodies Brian Ferentz and decides we're going to be pass heavy. But that is what you want to be, is you want to force Iowa into a situation where they're just completely going to try to do things that they're incapable of doing. Um, I mentioned on the Bleacher Report uh, a stream that I did earlier today that there was a, like, I was listening to the Iowa-Michigan State game uh, on the way back from Nebraska because I stayed at my friend Steve's house. He lives in uh, West Des Moines. So I was driving back, and I got to listen to the uh, the majority of that on the two-and-a-half-hour drive from Lincoln. And it was just, this, this is the game that, um, that Cade McNamara went down in, right? It was just impossible, it seemed, for Iowa to complete a pass. Deacon Hill has often, he, out of the seven games in which he has been the starter, only two of them has he eclipsed 100 yards. He has yet to eclipse 200 in a game. So let, let's take a look at that real quick because that's totally worth, uh, worth seeing. Let's scroll to the bottom. I'm already on CFP stats and look at the, uh, look at the, <laughs> look at this. Um, so he, he started Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, and Nebraska. Now, the Big Ten is a defensive league. Let's be honest about that. So, you know, usually teams have decent defenses. Purdue, maybe not quite so much. Minnesota has been really kind of tough to, you know, like they against better offensive teams, they've been scored on pretty heavily. Uh, obviously, uh, Michigan State, but, you know, Cade played in part of that game. Um, Illinois' defense has kind of given up at times. Uh, and Nebraska's has as well, but it's it's a pretty good defense. Uh, so, I mean, it's still some good defenses in here, right? Iowa scored 20 points, 15 points, 10 points, 10 points, 22, 15, and 13, right? And as far as passing is concerned, in Deacon Hill's starts, we are looking at 110, 37, 116, 65. Actually, I, I stand corrected here. I, I stand corrected. He, there was three games in which he got over 100, and one of them, or actually four. I don't know what I was looking at. Maybe I was looking at their past defense earlier. One game, he did eclipse 200 yards. He got 223 yards against Rutgers passing. 167 and 94, okay? But he had a 37-yard passing game against Wisconsin, he had a 65-yard passing game against Northwestern and a 94-yard uh, passing game against Nebraska. Not great. Uh, against Purdue, he completed 28% of his passes, 42% of his passes against Wisconsin, 35% of his passes, three straight 60% plus, and then 39.3. Uh, certainly, Michigan's faced no, no like incredible quarterbacks, per se. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa likely being the best, Kyle McCord, being right up there, Drew Aller was thought of as being one of the best, but obviously had a huge struggle session against Michigan. So this is, I mean, they're they're averaging 5.1 yards per attempt. Okay, Michigan State, for instance, not good by any stretch. Uh, has been bad at the quarterback position, mostly averaging 6.3. They're they're worse than Michigan State is on that front. Uh, I'm. I would imagine Rutgers is even worse. It's just likely awful. No, Rutgers is better than Iowa at passing the football. Believe it or not. So, start fast, Michigan. That is up to you. 
get out there, start fast, because when it comes to passing the ball, Iowa's not great, and you've got the corners that can cover, right? I mean, someone said, I don't remember where, that, yeah, hey, DJ Waller could be out there starting, and you should be fine in this game, right? Like, you can go deep into the bench if you need to. You can rest Will Johnson if you want to or need to. Certainly, he's not going to want to, right? But if if he's if he's healthy, I'm sure he'll play. If he's not, I'm, you know, he won't. That's just kind of what this is. Uh, I think the bigger, the other part of it is just the rushing offense, which has been pretty good. I think that um, I was clearly looking at some wrong stats earlier because now that I look at this again, everything that I had put on my sheet uh, wasn't great. But they they rushed the ball at a pretty fair clip. They're about 500 yards below where Michigan is on the season. Uh, but uh, they do want to run the ball, right? So, uh, again, looking at Deacon Hill forward, you've got 181 against Purdue, 200 against Wisconsin, 11 against Minnesota, 11, 104, 179, 102, and 163. They had 20 yards against Penn State. So I know I, I was looking at some of the right stuff. 20 against Penn State, 61 against Michigan State, 11 against Minnesota. I think sometimes I actually I mean to click on offense and I click on defense. That's kind of how that goes. Uh, defensively, I mean they're pretty good at stopping the run with the, against a lot of teams. They've given up uh, one thousand two hundred sixty-seven yards. Penn State rushed on them fifty-seven times for two hundred fifteen yards. However, uh, Michigan State got four point eight yards per carry against them. Utah State got four point eight yards per carry. Um, the only glaring one is really like Rutgers, which is mostly a rushing team. Kyle Manungai has been, and Gavin Wimsat have been really good for them to only get 34 yards. Not great, Bob. But uh, the rest of the teams out there, it's kind of like, all right, you know, no one's really got a power rushing attack, and this is a different deal. So start fast. Get them out of their ability to run the ball. Get them into their ability to pass the ball. That might be pretty much my only key. It's not. But we're going to get to the other keys here in just a moment. But before we do, passion, drive, and patience, what brings home the winning trophies, what also keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle, and you can also level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices that you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win so keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply ebay guaranteed fit available only to u.s customers sometimes i wonder what I'm looking at. <laughs> um, okay, I'm looking at my my notes from the from the Bleacher Report, the things that I wrote down beforehand. Turn over. I, I wrote it all down correctly. Maybe I just mischaracterized in my own brain what I thought the the things that I wrote down meant. I, I've got a bunch of bold predictions. I'll share those with you now. You can go and see on Bleacher Report all the things that I said there, but. I had Michigan will eclipse the Iowa single game pass record for the year. The most was 247 yards given up through the air by Purdue. Uh, MSU had 193. Wisconsin had 228. Nebraska had 189. J.J. McCarthy will throw for two passing touchdowns. Not really that bold. You're just making regular predictions against Iowa. That's how that works. 
Michigan will not allow more than 50 yards rushing. Uh, I will not eclipse 100 yards passing. Um, and that's where I messed up this part. I did write this down wrong. I said since MSU and McNamara went out and only managed two games above 100 yards, I was clearly looking at the defense. Uh, Michigan will win their turnover battle. Tory Taylor will pin Michigan inside the five-yard line three times because he's that type of talent. Michigan will put up the most yards uh, on Iowa. 397 was given up to Penn State. So I think Michigan can get above 400. Uh, and then I gave a final score prediction, which I am going to withhold for now. But um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the key is to figure out how to now, like, obviously, it's the third straight year of facing Iowa. Jim Harbaugh and company, Jesse, you know, Jesse Minter has gone up against them. He knows what Iowa presents, the challenges. Jim Harbaugh does as well. Jerome Moore does as well. So all of these things. Um and uh, the Sharon one's more important than Jesse in a lot of ways, of course, but uh, my mind kind of flipped it there. So it's it's just a matter of taking advantage of it, right? Like you want to have a starting drive the same way. I would say less of what you had at Iowa City, which was uh, just methodically moving down the field, which is what Michigan's certainly comfortable doing, right? Like Iowa is the type of team that wants you to try to do that, and a lot of teams can't. Michigan thrives there i i would like to see more explosives because that was kind of where uh, a game ha- the game happened and it was just like explosive play explosive play explosive play and michigan wasn't necessarily doing that fully uh that year michigan was one of the more the most explosive offense in terms of 50 plus yarders you had a lot of big long runs from blake Corum early in the season and then things kind of tampered down for a bit against penn state you had the 43 yard pass to eric all uh, you had a Blake Corum explosive and a Roman Wilson explosive, neither touchdowns against Ohio State, but then you had uh, the two touchdowns, uh, the Blake Corum touchdown and the Donovan pass to Roman Wilson touchdown, which opened up everything. I think finding a way to make an explosive play early would just be, that would be a huge thing, right? Put the defense on its heels right away. I think that's what you need to do. Um this is not as talented of a defense as either of the last two years. It is still very good, but it is not as talented. Michigan, as with the exception of Rutgers, has held all of its opponents to less points than any common opponents that Iowa's had. Rutgers being the only exception. Michigan held them to, to seven while uh, they got uh, shut out by Iowa. So this is a type of game where if you're looking at it, um, Michigan's also scored, obviously, this is, goes without saying, but so scored more than any Iowa offense has, right? There's no, been no, like, kind of crazy game that comes out there. But J.J. McCarthy needs to be smart, and they need to take care of the football because if you turn the ball over, that creates a lot of problems. That's playing in Iowa's hands. They're not a turnover-heavy team uh, in terms of taking the ball away this year, especially since Cooper DeGene went out. Where they do, uh, what they haven't been good is Deacon Hill has, Loved to turn the ball over himself. This is where I would like to see Michigan just kind of flex a little bit. Because everyone knows that Iowa's got a tough defense. Everyone's looking at this as like a 24-0 type game. If you're Michigan and you can go put up 45, you can put up 52, something like that. I think that sets a really good precedence for going into the postseason, especially if you're going to go up against like an Oregon, right? Like I think that's probably who is picked most to face Michigan. That's the team nobody really wants to see and in the in the playoff but you know if michigan can kind of prove to itself like hey we just went up against one of the toughest defenses and we just scored a heck of a lot 
then we're in a really good standing. I, I, I understand that it's, um, there's your different games, you know, and, uh, you know, Oregon is, you know, it's, it's an offensive threat. I just want to know for Michigan's sake, can you go toe to toe? Oregon's got a good defense too. 15th rated in total defense. Um, that's right. That's ahead of like Rutgers. It's ahead of Alabama. It's behind Nebraska. That's in yards given up per game in terms of scoring defense. Oregon is seventh, given up 15.9 points per game. So, I mean, that it's, it's a decent defense, obviously, under Dan Lanning, who faced Michigan a couple of years ago. So, if, if I'm Michigan, I'm kind of preparing for that at the same time. Obviously, you've got to win the game, and you want to win the game convincingly, because maybe if you do that, and Georgia goes in and gets into a slugfest against Alabama, or loses, maybe, just maybe, probably not, but maybe Michigan moves up, right? Michigan moves up to number one. It's possible they should have been number one after this week. After beating Ohio State, it's kind of inexplicable that they weren't. Um, and uh, considering, right, like they beat Penn State. Uh, Georgia faced a couple nobodies at the end of the year. Georgia Tech really struggled against Georgia Tech. That should have been enough after beating Ohio State to move up to number one. Uh, but that wasn't. Uh, so if if I'm Jim Harbaugh coming back, I'm, uh, and I think this is kind of what they were trying to do in 2021 was put it all out there to kind of give the committee something to think about. So I would do the same thing in this game is I would go out there and just try to try to give the committee a reason, especially if Georgia is in a close game against Alabama. I understand that it's going to be looked at a little bit different, but Iowa is 10 and two. Iowa is ranked number 16. If you can have a 30 or 40 point differential on them, then that they're going to look at that and say, Okay, anything that we thought about that offense from Penn State forward clearly fixed with Jim Harbaugh on the sideline, right? So that's what I would kind of do. But what if chaos happens? I know we didn't really stick to the keys. It took way too long to expound upon the first thing. Uh, Well, chaos happens. Does Ohio State actually get in? Hmm, a lot of people wonder about that. I kind of don't, but we will get to that momentarily. Before we do... If you want to have a little extra fun starting tomorrow night, maybe you want to do, wait till Saturday. You've got Michigan basketball playing Oregon. You've got uh, all the other games. Good way to have a little added fun is, and make a little money while you're doing it, by the way. Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Because it's just you versus the numbers, not against a bunch of pros and sharks and people who do this for a living that go and play their fantasy and you think you've got a shot and then you find yourself like way down on the leaderboard on one of the competing, 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 competitors. Um, it, you just take two to six player stat projections, pick more than or less than. It's that easy. And then just watch the winnings roll in. Uh, like I said, you can combine basketball and football now that basketball season's going. So. Say you want to go and say, hey, I think Oliver Kamwa is going to have a really good game. I'm going to pick uh, a, uh, a field goal percentage of this. I'm going to say he's going to be at like, th- you know, 30 or not 35, like, you know, 50 percent or better. I just like that matchup. And I just really feel like Blake Corm is going to get another two touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> you can go. <coughs> excuse me. See, I told you it was a little my voice. You can pick both in the specials league. And. Combine those. It just makes for a heck of a lot more fun. 
Testing your skills on prize picks is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250. Just a few taps. So go to prizepicks.com with the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. That's uh, prizepicks.com slash LOCKEDONCOLLEGE using the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, there's, there's a lot of uh, posturing going on online, particularly from our good friends down in Columbus that are sitting there thinking, what do I need to do in order to make it in? Because uh, I, I want I, my life is now joyless, and I want it to feel less joyless, and the only way for that to happen is to somehow sneak my way in the playoff instead of playing uh, in the Orange Bowl against Louisville. I'm sorry, but playing in the Orange Bowl against Louisville, barring absolute pandemonium, is your lot in life uh, this year in particular because this is a different year than some of these other years. Uh, Last year, you had a kind of tenuous USC team that had already had a loss to Utah that needed to be able to avenge its loss in a game in which it was incapable of doing so. Styles make fights, and clearly Utah had USC's number last year. Thus, that is what happened. But outside of that, there was no other obvious team, right? Ohio State was undefeated except for a loss to Michigan. Everyone else was a two-loss team, right? Uh, TCU lost, but they weren't going to fall out. They were just going to fall. They actually didn't even fall. They stayed at the same exact ranking, right? There wasn't any ability for up. uh, There was no upward mobility, I should say. There was no trajectory for any of these other teams. So we're looking at the top eight in particular. Top four are 12-0. and 0, The next four are 11-1. and 1. Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State undefeated. Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, and Alabama all with one loss. Out of all of those teams, only one of them does not play over the weekend, and that is Ohio State. To me, they are static at six. They could move up to five. They could move down to eight. I don't think that they will necessarily move down but they are static in my eyes like they moving up to four i it could be an option if absolute pandemonium happens what they say they need is georgia to beat number eight alabama that keeps alabama underneath they need michigan to win because obviously head to head Uh, i believe they need washington to win because then that would give oregon two losses and then they need florida state to uh well there's two more things florida state they need to uh to lose but then they sit there and they say that and i think that a lot of them disregard texas because texas is number seven texas who's sitting at 11 and one well texas is playing in an extra game if texas gets to 12 wins versus ohio state's 11 wins that is an extra data point so let's say everything else goes the way that they they hope right Every single other thing. If Texas beats Oklahoma State, which it is uh, assuredly favored to do, in my eyes, they move up to number four and take Florida State's place. Not Ohio State, Texas. Think of 2006. There was all of this talk of, you know, hey, Michigan just needs this to happen. I can't remember what it was. Was it USC losing? I remember being a student and just being really keyed in on that. And it happened. But then you had Florida in the SEC championship game, and they were sitting behind Michigan at number three. 
And uh, Michigan was uh, number two, I believe, at that time. Or Michigan was number three. And Florida was number four, I think, is what it was. That's what it was. And I think USC was number two at that time. I don't, I don't think it was USC. It was somebody. Someone else was sitting at number two. And then Michigan stayed static at number three. And Florida moved up above Michigan. And they played in the national championship game. And wouldn't you know what they ended up winning? That crazy Urban Meyer character. Um, I think that would be kind of the same thing. But obviously, I'm also rooting for chaos when it comes to this because I think it would be fun. As long as Michigan wins, right? We don't want any drama there. We want everything, you know, copacetic as far as that's concerned. I, I think that Georgia lost to Alabama. That throws a wrench into everything. Because you have to keep in mind, the committee has never had to make any real decisions. In the entirety of the college football playoff, there's never been anyone on the outside looking in that's had a real argument of being like, hey, we should be in it. There's, that's never been a case in this entire, to- entire time. Like, yeah, there might be a two-loss Michigan in 2016 that's like, hey, we lost by one point to, to Iowa and we lost in overtime by three points to Ohio State. It was like, yeah, that's great. Sorry, you're, you're not going to get in. It, you know, it was just not going to happen. But here, it's just Ohio State, because they're the only one in the top eight that's not playing. I don't think that they have a shot to move up and in. Now, what I would like to see is Georgia lose to Alabama. I think that's fun. Michigan to win, move up to number one. I would like to see Washington to beat Oregon. Uh, I know everyone's favoring Oregon. I'd like Washington to, to go ahead and get that, be number two. And then I'd like Texas to win and, um, and Florida State to win. Now, in that case, it would be Michigan against Texas, probably still in the Rose Bowl, but maybe the Sugar Bowl. I, I really want to go to the Sugar Bowl personally. I think that would – I know like everyone's got the, the heartfelt memories of the Rose Bowl. Maybe it's because I lived in L.A. for four years. I, I don't really want to go back to L.A., but I guess I understand if we, if we have to, I will. I will t- I will make that sacrifice for you. But from a very selfish standpoint, I think New Orleans New Year's sounds like a rollicking good time for someone who doesn't drink. Um, but uh, I, I have a fascination with New Orleans, too. I just think it's such an interesting city. I've never been there. I've, I've lived in L.A. I don't want to go to Pasadena. I like Pasadena. but um, Nonetheless, I, maybe that's how it works. Maybe it isn't because then the committee would have to decide would a one-loss SEC champion be able to sneak its way in? Would a team like Georgia, would they be able to make its way in? I think it would be really interesting what would happen there. Uh, but uh, I, I really want to see, it's kind of weird, Texas with one loss to Oklahoma, who's number 12, like that's not a bad loss, right? Rivalry game, things were kind of crazy in that game. It, like it, it's, it just shows how little room for error there is this year. So Michigan has to take care of business, but I want to see pandemonium outside of that because I'd just be really curious to see how the committee handles that. I'd rather see a team that Michigan isn't going to play next year, which means Washington and Oregon. I don't want to play you. I'm sorry. Not because I'm scared. Not because I, you know there's any part of that. Because I just we're, we're going to play again next year. We'll see you next year. Let, let's let's see someone else this year, okay? Um, I'd love to play Florida State. I'd love to play Texas. I'd love to play Alabama. I'd like to save Georgia for the national championship game if we could, if that ends up being the case. Just because I think that that's, that's part of the climb. We've talked about the climb for quite some time. So, anyway, that's all I got today. 
Uh, don't know that I gave you a really great answer <laughs> to all of that, but that's where I'm at. Uh, tomorrow, we'll be live from Indianapolis. Uh, plan is for Clayton Safey from On3 to join. We will do that somewhere in Indianapolis, hopefully around the 4 o'clock hour. Have it to you around 6, because it takes a little bit longer on the laptop to get everything done. Um, as long as I remember not to record in 4K. But uh, that is the plan. So we will talk to you then. We'll, uh, and then we'll talk to you on the other side of the championship game. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Peace.